Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome, everybody, to the Boiler Alert Podcast, part of the Fans First Sports Network. With you, as always, I am your host, Andrew Ledman. And Brian Bonaparte. And we're here today continuing our series looking at the Purdue basketball roster and the Purdue football schedule. Today we have got newcomer. Uh, we'll be playing his first real minutes for Purdue this year, Will Berg. And then we have got the game against the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Um, I wanted to start out with uh, a bit of an easier, uh, a more fun question, uh, less thinking involved. So, uh, Ryan, are you ready for just a, a fun little nothingness? Sure. Okay. Um, Shea Serrano is one of my, my favorite internet personalities, become uh, writers. Uh, he's written a, a bunch of books, basketball and other things, movies and other things, and then he started his own internet uh, publishing company where he puts his stuff now. And you can mm-hmm. you can go on there and buy all his books. His most recent one that I just bought, I haven't read it yet. Um, it was it's called an action hero scouting report. So he goes through some of his favorite action movies and does literally a couple pages of a scouting report on the hero as if they were like you know an NBA player or an NFL guy going through the combine. Um, okay, talking about what their skills are, what their weaknesses are, and all that kind of stuff. Um, he he's a really funny writer, um, really smart guy. Um, so I always enjoy reading uh, what he does. But that made me think just about action movies in general. Give me two or three. What are two of your two or three of your favorite action movies? Okay. Um. Hmm. I would say well, one of which is definitely Die Hard, the okay. original Die Hard. Okay. Good. Yep. Gotta love some John McClane. Ooh. Um. If you can consider this, I'm, it's Schwarzenegger, but like it's more, it's sci-fi and action. It, it's Predator. Okay, that's good. That that um, contains the manliest handshake in any movie ever. You know, when they slap. Exactly. It was. It's not even more of a handshake. It's just a greeting in general where they slap each other in the hand and uh, flex just needlessly. Yes. I'm trying to think if there's any like. See, the problem is like. Action movies, you ha- they don't really do them like they used to. And I yeah. know that makes me sound old, but like at the no, same I time, mean, I'm like, not old enough to... The, the 80s were just like peak, cheesy action movie. Um, yeah. The early 90s would go in there as well, but it's just... They, they just were so much different. Um, you know, and there was a bigger market for that kind of dumb action movie with just nothing but violence... Hundreds of dead. I mean, it just incredible stuff. Um, I'll give you. I'll give you a minute to think if you don't have one. Okay. Um. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'll come up. I, I was gonna say Die Hard, but you covered that, so um, I'll mm-hmm. set that one aside. Um, 
I'll I will go with another Arnold Schwarzenegger movie though. Uh, Terminator Two. Okay. Yeah. Terminator Two, absolutely fantastic. I think better than the original Terminator. Um, you can. Best Terminator. Yes. You can. Yeah, you can find arguments either way on that one, but uh, and because of my love for for Terminator and Terminator Two, I will continue to watch the Terminator sequels no matter if they've you know dipped in quality because you always you always just hope they can find a way back. Mm-hmm. Um. So that is one, and I'm going kind of unexpected, I, I think, is I'm going to go with a movie starring Nicolas Cage and Sean Connery, The Rock. Okay, The Rock, okay. I absolutely love The Rock. I mean, it's so ridiculous. Uh, Ed Harris is absolutely great in that movie as the you know the sergeant mm-hmm. or general, whatever his rank is, I can't remember, um, right. leading, leading the disaffected military into Alcatraz and Alcatraz and taking the prisoners. Um, Nicholas Cage, of course, the the unwitting and action hero who's you know just trying to get the the chemical weapons out of there. And who, who doesn't love Sean Connery being Sean Connery? Yes, exactly. Just absolutely fantastic movie. So those are those are two I think of of the best out there. Do you have a third? Okay, so the problem I'm having right now is like. When it comes to action movies, I kind of get them conflated with, like, high-octane movies. Okay, that's that makes fair. Sense. No, I get it. Like, Fast and Furious, is it a, uh action movie? Or is it, like, a thriller, you know? So, like, I'm getting those a little conflated. That's the problem. And Fast and Furious was not my answer, by the way. I like the movies, but not top three. So, when you said Nicolas Cage... I thought you were going to take this. I have a feeling I know it, what you're going to say, but I'm I'm listening. Yeah, it's a it's about a means of transportation. <laughs> it is Con Air. Yep, yep. Excellent mm-hmm. choice, excellent choice. Yes. I mean, just his hair alone. Right, exactly. And then the other one I was thinking also was Gone in 60 Seconds. Okay, yeah. So, but that's more of like a high-octane movie. So I'll stick with Con Air. I, I applaud that choice. I think it's very good. Um, mm-hmm. One of them, a newer one, so I'll go with a newer one. Um, uh-huh. And then I'm going to give a couple honorable mentions. Uh, a newer one that I think is just fantastic, and I'm not breaking any new ground here. It's I'm not pretending to be you know telling you an under-the-radar movie is uh, John Wick. You know, okay. the, the very first John Wick movie, absolutely okay. incredible. Um, they're all good. Um, I don't think the fourth one you know, was quite as good as, as number one. Um, but the, the first John Wick movie is really just incredible. Um, and Keanu Reeves just great in it as well as he is in most things. So, um, honorable mention, I will go, uh, Top Gun. I'll go Days of Thunder. So Tom Cruise in general there, um, Mm. got some bangers and Top Gun Maverick, honestly, and just, not just action movie, but movies in general, phenomenal. So the, that is what I'll end with. You didn't say it. I was going to say Top Gun Maverick. I think Top Gun Maverick, for me personally, is better than the original Top I Gun. I think it might be. I think it, and that sounds blasphemous, but I think it is. Yeah, it, it's just so good. Miles Teller. Yeah, he is was great. Awesome. He was great in that yes. movie, and he was so. believable as Goose's son too. Yeah, exactly. Yep. 
Yeah, so, that, I mean, that movie's oh. it, it was very good. In fact, I might watch that tomorrow uh, while I work now, just because. So I've gone through that stage like for the past two weeks of like, should I watch this for like the sixth time or should I just watch something new? Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, I think those are some some very good choices overall. Uh, interesting that we've got two Nicolas Cage movies in there, but man, he had quite a run. Uh, you know, The Rock, uh, Face Off. Con Air, wait, three Nicholas Cage. Gone in 60 Seconds. Oh, Gone in 60 Seconds. I forgot he was in that, yeah. Um, I forgot that was a, a Nicholas Cage movie. I mean, he, he really had quite the run there, and now he just makes anything because he needs the money because he bought a dinosaur skeleton. Um, you know, and then happens. didn't pay the IRS. So you got to do what you got to do, Nicholas Cage. Um, yep. So we're going to do what we did uh, with the last podcast. We're going to go ahead and take our break now, and then we're going to go ahead and talk Wilberg and the game against Minnesota. We'll be right back. And we are back. So we are coming up to the point of the Purdue basketball roster where we've only got players who have not seen official minutes for Purdue. Uh, Today we're Mm -hmm. talking Will Berg. He, of course, came in last season. He redshirted. He's currently listed at 7'2", He is out of of Stockholm, Sweden. And you are not even going to get me to pretend to pronounce his high school name. Um... Trust me, look it up. It is definitely Swedish, and there are a lot of uh, a lot of consonants, and it looks like it says basket gymnasiet in there at the end, but I I don't know. Uh, Rick's basket gymnasiet. No, no. Uh, but it's I'm I'm fine. I'll do it. It's Riska. It's Risk Rick's basket gymnasiet luli. So okay. there we go. Uh, to all of our Swedish listeners, Swedish man, struggling Swedish listeners, I apologize for that. But uh, there we <laughs> go. Um, he, of course, is another in a long line of seven footers at Purdue. Um, you know, Bird came in known more as a guy who can shoot the ball um, from the outside, maybe even uh, from three point land. But who knows exactly what he's going to be asked to do at Purdue? But it is definitely a, a skill that he has in his back pocket. Now, Ryan, you were nice enough to send out to me uh, the tri- the stats from the European trip Purdue just completed. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we don't have minutes played in this, but we do have just a combined total of what they did over these four games in Europe. Um, and I'm going to read a couple of them to the folks out there listening. Wilberg, 10 of 13 from the field. 8 for 12 from the free throw line, total of 23 rebounds, 5 assists to 4 turnovers, and 4 blocks and 2 steals. So, uh, total 28 points over the 4 games, and that was good for 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7th leading scorer on the team, which is, you know, not terrible for a guy uh, seeing his first minutes. But, Ryan, I mean, do we have any idea... What, if anything, we can expect from Will Berg this year, given that Zach Eady is back and is obviously going to play, you know, 28 to 32, 34 minutes a game? Yeah, I mean, at this point, I think you just realistically have to expect Will Berg to be kind of in that tail end of the logjam that is Purdue Big Man. I mean, we've mentioned this every single time that a guy um, who plays the three, the four, or the five uh, has come up. It's there's so many players in this area of the court for Purdue that like it's so difficult. And 
Will Burns coming off of a foot injury. He actually broke his yeah. foot in practice last year. So he's going to be coming off of that. He was in a boot really up until May. So, I mean, you have six months off, you know, where you're out of a boot. But coming back from that is not the easiest. And I think ultimately where Purdue wants Will Berg to end up is to be in a more Matt Harms type role. A defensive guy who can get out there and swat a ball, but can also take a three-pointer if you need him at the top. You know, he's capable of that. He didn't take any threes in the tournament, but he didn't need to. So this season, however, it's going to be much more difficult, and he's really going to be there for, hey, Zach Eady gets in foul trouble. We need bodies. Yeah, yeah. So it could be that and then just kind of stretch his legs out, let him learn from Zach Eady. He will need to bulk up more if they really truly want to use him down low. You know, we've seen these tall, gangly players from Europe. They need to beef up a little bit, but, you know, that's the nature of the position. Yeah. So I think that's what we will expect from him this season. And another thing that goes along with your point, we need to see him run the court. Um, If if he truly is going to be a guy who is going to maybe shoot from outside a little bit more. He needs to be like Matt Harms and that, you know, Harms got up and down the floor. Harms Harms could run. Um, yes. And hopefully Will Berg has that same um, ability in him if he is going to play a similar role. I think Harms is a decent comparison from everything we've read about Berg. Um, so mm-hmm. uh, well done uh, on that. I It's 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 an apt comparison, I think. Um Hopefully, uh, his hair not as good as Matt Harms uh, from what I've seen, but we'll have to see it in-game action. You know, maybe it's a little different when he's out there actually getting a little sweaty. So um, I I don't think we'll have as many fans of the hair, but I'm looking forward to it regardless. Um, One one thing with Wilberg, too, you mentioned his foot surgery in the offseason. Apparently, he had bone spurs in his ankle. So he had those removed. It sounds like eight bone spurs removed. Um, and he's apparently talked about it uh, after the surgery and said this is the best he's felt in years uh, because apparently uh, he'd had these issues since his freshman year of high school. I don't know mm-hmm. why he didn't have surgery prior to this, um, but now he's had it, and hopefully that means he's ready to go. You do always worry when you have a player that big who has a lower body injury, especially a foot you you worry about that healing 100% and then having a recurrence of a foot injury. So you want right. to be careful with that. But uh, I'm sure Painter and the medical staff are truly taking care of him. Um, but it is something to keep an eye on, especially with that amount of height on the team. You always, you're always worried about lower body injuries. So I think mm-hmm. for me, the biggest thing I'm looking for for Berg is just to be healthy and to be able to show uh, some ability to run the court and – as you said, I think rightly so, learning from Zach Eady and being able to step in next year as the seven-footer on the Purdue roster um, who has the ability to to go in there, make some shots, get some rebounds, and hopefully play some pretty solid defense. Um, I am anxious to see what he can do defensively, whether he's going to be a shot-blocking type guy or whether he's just going to kind of be a space eater. You know, Just because you're 7'2", doesn't mean you're necessarily good at blocking shots. Um, so it'll be interesting to right. me to see how he does in the college game. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I think for him, especially with the, uh, the injury-wise, I think he might have just waited because once you get on the basketball team, it's almost like getting health insurance. Yeah. Just well, of course, basketball team. I mean, of course, he was in Sweden. It's, right. It's a different, True. different healthcare system. Uh, than they mm-hmm. have here in the United States. So um, I, I think he, <laughs> That's true. he probably would have been able to get something uh, over there in Sweden, but who knows. Um, so I think that's that's yeah. really about all we've got on Will Berg. I mean, it's just going to be exciting to see him play. Um, we we mm-hmm. always love seeing the new guys just because you never truly know what you're going to get um, out of them. You can, you can, you can have a best-case scenario, worst-case scenario, but these – you know, 18, 19, 20-year-old kids are always going to surprise you because it's really – so much of it is what they put into it. And we will see if Wilberg goes out there and puts in the effort and surprises everybody just like uh, the freshman did last year on Purdue. So maybe he'll be yet another surprise um, for the Purdue Boilermakers next season. So moving on to football, uh, Purdue's next game we want to talk about is the game against Minnesota. They currently uh-huh. – uh, or I'm sorry. Last year they were nine and four. Uh, mm-hmm. In conference they were five and four. So uh, went undefeated out of conference, but lost four in conference. One of those, of mm-hmm. course, was a game at Minnesota. Uh, Purdue beat them twenty to ten. I believe that yep. was the first Purdue victory in the new uh, stadium in Minnesota, Huntington Bank Stadium, I believe. Um, so twenty to ten, oh. um, and Purdue took a lead early in that one. And, uh, you know, just like like a lot of games, you know, we, we felt like it was going to be close there for a minute, but Purdue was able to hang on 20-10. to 10. Um, Ryan, how does Minnesota look? Have, have they gotten better? Have they gotten worse? Uh, and before you answer that, though, what – I have 20 extra Fleck dollars, so what can I get for that? Do you know? Um, you can get out of running sprints if you drink too much, apparently. Okay, good, good, cause, cause I've been, I've been way drunk at practice. Um, so okay. that's good. I will just go sit on the bench. I'll let uh, everybody else do the sprints, and I'll turn in my, turn in my fleck bucks uh, at the end of practice. Good to know. Yeah, I mean, uh, that that man. I don't know if there's another coach in the Big Ten that rubs people just the wrong <laughs> way like P.J. Fleck Yeah, especially does. now that Scott Frost is gone. Exactly. I mean, Scott Frost was just, like, brazenly, like, you know, the jock type that you just don't like, whereas P.J. Fleck is just weird. Yeah. Like, the guy is just weird. And, I mean, us being Purdue fans, we're always going to compare P.J. Fleck to Jeff Brom. Yep. And that's that's certainly a comparison, even if you go com- only by personality. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, and for, for those that don't know what we're talking about, a story came out over the summer of within the Minnesota program, they were giving out some sort of, like, they called them Fleck, Fleck Bucks in the article. Yeah. But then uh, – for like doing good things, like you do some charity work, you get this, you get good grades, you get these bucks, and then you can use them to like get out of things. And apparently, even that would mean like getting caught drinking. You could like cash in your fleck bu- fleck bucks or whatever. Uh, but then PJ Fleck was asked about it at Big Ten Media Days, and was like, "Well, there was no real currency." And it's like, yeah, that was the problem that people had was they they thought you were you know creating a real currency. No, you idiot. Um, and he's also, I mean, 
the stories over the years of him just it's just everything is continuously weird it's like he's never been around another human in his life um mm-hmm. the stories of him going into recruits house with like an egg timer and telling them they have until it goes off to commit and it's it's just like he's just he sounds like a very bizarre human being but um anyway back back to uh the the product on the field yes well so the starting quarterback for Minnesota is no longer there, Tanner Morgan. And he, Tanner Morgan's finally moving on. It seems like he's been at that school for like eight years. Yeah. So he's finally gone to the NFL draft. He's a member of the Steelers now. And he had a decent season last year. You know, completed 67 of his pa- percent of his passes, 13 uh, almost 1,400 yards, nine touchdowns. The problem was he had a lot of injuries last season. He played in nine games where the backup quarterback from Minnesota actually played in 11 games. Oof. So it was it was a weird situation. Um, Tanner Morgan just couldn't stay healthy throughout, and it kind of affected just the whole structure of the quarterbacks. Um I'm going to botch the backup quarterback's name. It's Athen Kaliak Manis. It's very Greek. It's very Greek. Um, but he had 111 uh, uh, throws, almost under, a little under 1,000 yards, three touchdowns, four interceptions. Now, so is, is he set to be the starter? Position. He is set to be the starter this season. Okay. So he's back. Um, he... Unlike Tanner Morgan, can run the ball a little bit. He had 140 rushing yards last year, so I mean he's he's mobile enough to get out there if he needs to. But the bread and butter of Minnesota's offense is their running. Yes. So last year their their stud running back was Mo Ibrahim, 320 rush attempts, 1,665 yards. Yeah. 20 touchdowns. Yeah. So it was really like a three-horse race for the top running back in the nation between Ibrahim, um, Chase Young, not Chase Young, I'm sorry, um, Illinois running back, Chase Brown. Oh, yeah. And Blake Corum. Those three were just a three-headed monster. And it's because, for whatever reason, P.J. Fleck can recruit offensive linemen. He can get... 450 pound offensive linemen <laughs> who are six foot nine and just block until there's no end. That's that's oh my, um, and he's done it multiple times. It's absolutely insane. And and Purdue um, was Purdue was lucky last year when uh, Purdue and Minnesota played um, for two reasons. I mean Tanner Morgan had an absolutely uh, awful game. He threw three interceptions. Right. And Ibrahim did not play. Um, he was yes. out for the Purdue game. So uh, Purdue was left going, going against um, you know their backups, which obviously their backups are talented as well, but they're no Ibrahim. Right. Um, so it, it was a huge advantage for Purdue there. Yes. And speaking of those backups, they are Trey Potts, who had a little under 500 yards, and Bryce Williams, who had just, over, just under 250 yards. So, I mean, you're talking about a running back room with over over 2300 yards. yards yeah yeah now trey potts actually did transfer so he he was the backup but he transferred out he is now a penn state running back um so the starting running back is going to fall on bryce williams 
So his workload's going to go from 51 attempts to probably around the 300. Oh, wow. That is a jump. So we'll see how that goes. Hope you can do it, buddy. Yeah. Um, they Minnesota does have a uh, transfer coming in who will probably fight for the starting job as well in Sean Tyler out of Western Michigan. So that will obviously play a part. But um, Minnesota's two most productive receivers were tight end Brevin Span Ford. So he's a redshirt senior. He caught just about 500 yards on 42 catches, two touchdowns. And then Daniel Jackson, who's also a senior who's returning, um, about 550 yards, five touchdowns, 40 receptions, just under. So, so I mean, not, those not, are really their best. Not too but, terribly productive, honestly. Yeah, Minnesota's not the passing team. No, no, as right. you said, as you said, they're a running squad, especially with their offensive line. Yeah, so if we're looking at sheer numbers, they rushed the ball 581 times. And they passed the ball 281 times. Oh, my so gosh. 300 more rushes than passes. That's insane. Mm-hmm. That's got to be one of uh, the one of the like biggest disparities, at least in the Big Ten. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was insane to think about just because there were games that I think Ibrahim had a couple 300-yard rushing games, if I remember. No, 200 yard rushing he had a couple of those say yeah sounds um, right but the thing is for as productive their rushing game they scored 28 points a game which not terrible but just their offense kind of stalled especially if they had to go through the air it's just the nature of it um 12 passing touchdowns 33 rushing so it's very clear what their bread and butter is wow yeah yeah i mean that's that that's just what a discrepancy. Mm-hmm. Now the defense did pretty well too. They allowed just under fourteen points a game, um, about three hundred yards of total offensive game, um, only eighteen touchdowns on the entire season did their Dang. defense allow. Wow. So somehow um, the defense looked much better than the offense at points. Um, I mean, it kind of worked for that against Purdue, too, um, but be that as it may. And now we get to specialty fun times. You okay? Their I... kicker didn't miss a single extra point. That's, you know, kind of standard. Yeah, that's what you want. Um, 15 of 18 from field goal. So Pretty not good. awful. Pretty good. he's now an Atlanta Falcon. Okay. So their punter... Uh, averaged about 40, 40 yards a punt, and he has returned. He's a senior. Um, I believe he's Australian, too. Of, he's one of the Aussie kickers. Of course. <laughs> you know, as as Big Ten punters uh, Australians have come over, and they've taken two jobs. They've taken punters, and they've taken superhero roles. Yep. Those are, those are the two biggest exports from Australia. You know, as... As one would expect, right? Well, I, I don't know what it is about starting as a prison colony that leads you to be good at uh, acting as a superhero and punting a, a football, but, you know, whatever it is, it's it's working for them. Why not both? I yeah. think we found a new Marvel comic. There you go. All right. Um, so, 
Speaking of punters, it's time for our favorite segment, Let's How Many it. Punts to Wear. How Many Punts to Wear. We should get t-shirts that say that. Right. So, I'll let you take a gander at where I wanted to punt from Minnesota. Okay, I mean, obviously you're, he's starting from the stadium, right? Yes. Where in Minnesota would he go to? The biggest it's ball a, of twine? Nope, not quite. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of Minnesota landmarks. Like I, li- I lived in Minnesota for a summer when I was mm-hmm. in grad school. I worked up there for Special Olympics Minnesota. Okay. Um, so I've been to the Twin Cities a number of times because that's where I actually worked. But I can't yeah. think of no. That's an is is the the Cheese Castles in Wisconsin, isn't it? Cheese Castle. I yeah, I know that. Yeah, I think it's in Was. <laughs> I think it might be in Wisconsin. I just remember I can driving tell you, by it all the time. Everyone has heard of it. And here, I'll, I'll give you how many punts it is away. It's 366 punts from the stadium. Okay, so it's not very far at all. No. And it's. Is it just another sporting venue? It is not. Lake it's Minnetonka. Oh, the Mall of America. Yes. The Mall of America. I thought maybe you were going with like something Prince related for a second there. Uh, but okay. Nope, not quite. Gotcha. I have a second one, though. Okay. This one would take over 10 million punts. Okay, I I don't know that one. Well, it's how many punts it would take to get P.J. Fleck to the moon, ah. where he belongs. Okay. <laughs> so. uh, yeah, his leg would, the, the punter's leg would definitely fall off, Australian or not. Yes, exactly. So... Um, and I did my homework on this. I did the distance of the moon at the game day on game. Wow. Day. Wow. So mm-hmm. it is 10,839,863 punts to the moon. That's on that day. Yes. On 11, 11. Wow. I, I just, I just have to applaud, you know, just the, the dedication to getting it right. And, and looking at everything how you need it in the sky, where it's going to be, what are you going to do? That's just I, – I applaud the effort, and I hope ev- all our listeners really know that we go the extra mile here on the Boiler Alert podcast. Truly a sicko's community. Yeah. So, I mean, overall, what what do you think of Minnesota? What is your – or your view of them comparing them from last year to this year? Um, it um, doesn't sound like they're going to get much better on offense – Maybe even might be worse. I mean, when you lose a talent like Ibrahim on on uh, the running back position, and even though you know Tanner Morgan uh, was there for a, a roughly a dozen years and didn't exactly light the world on fire, that consistency is nice and really does help an offense. Yeah, and that you know I think you hit the nail on the head. You lose some pretty good talent that you've had for many years, and you know honestly they're. Their backup quarterback last season, um, he, you know, he has experience, but, like, he, it didn't go super well, let's be honest. I mean, three touchdowns, four interceptions. Yeah. Not the best. Not the best time. Yeah, that's, but, not what, that's not what you want when you're slotting a guy in. Exactly. So, they didn't get, like, a star-studded transfer quarterback. They actually didn't get any transfer quarterbacks in. That's kind of surprising. For that matter. Yeah, you'd think that would have been an area that P.J. Fleck would have gone after, but maybe the egg timer uh, went out before they committed. Um, So, you know, being that quarterback is the most important position, it's 
hard to say that this offense is going to get any better because Tanner Morgan was at least a serviceable quarterback. And then you essentially lose your top two running backs as well. I understand Minnesota's known for just plugging guys in at running back and having them run for 200 yards, but that's a big gap and big shoes to fill. And then a second pair of shoes you also have to fill. So we'll see. Um, I have my doubts, but it's they've done weirder things in Minnesota. True, true. Yeah, I mean... I'm not really sold on Minnesota maintaining this level uh, that they have the last few years. Um, right. So I think maybe this could be a year where they kind of fall back down to earth a little bit. I mean, I know it's not exactly as if they they tore up the conference last year and set the world on fire, but I think they still had a lot of talent on that team. And um, Ibrahim, of course, being probably number one um, on that roster, but... Without him and without the consistency at quarterback, you know, I think they might struggle a little more than they would like. I mean, I know five and four in conference isn't what they wanted last year, but that may be four and five, maybe five to four again, what they look at in conference. Um, so I think this is right. a game that Purdue has a shot at. Um, I think it's it's going to be another close game. The games between Purdue and Purdue and Minnesota um, have been ever since both Fleck and Brom came in. Um, and now we've, of course, uh, moved on from Brom, but it, the talent level is probably going to be pretty similar once again, and it's going to come down to how well did Ryan Walters um, restack the defense and uh, how is Hudson Card going to do. And if the changeup of the secondary works and if the addition of Hudson Card works on the offensive end, uh, I think Purdue is going to surprise some people, and I think one of those teams they might surprise is Minnesota. Right. Yeah, I will also say Minnesota's got a very difficult schedule this year as well. Um, maybe not so much in non-conference, but Minnesota also, like Purdue, has to play Michigan, Ohio State, and they also get Michigan State on those cross-conference uh, cross games. Okay. So those are three opponents, well, two very difficult opponents, and we'll see how Michigan State fares. Who knows with Mel Tucker. Um, and then one of their non-conference games is at North Carolina. So it's not a cakewalk for some of these games yeah. for Minnesota. Yeah. So I have my doubts of them going 3-0 and non-conference again this season. True, true. Um, so there is, uh, is there anything else on Minnesota before we move on to a final note here? Um. They have some pretty decent returning players on defense. Uh, they lost their main middle linebacker, but they are returning their uh, leading sack guy. Um, they're leading a couple of their leading uh, defensive backs. So that's not exactly what you want to hear, but um, there are definitely holes in the Minnesota off or defense that people started to figure out. Um, and Purdue definitely did. You know, 20 points isn't a lot, but it was enough that day. Right, that's right. That's right. So, you know, we'll see. Um, there, are, there are two other pieces of news that I wanted to touch on, uh, Purdue football-related. Mm -hmm. um, quarterback, quarterback Jamari Brown um, has left the program, according to GBI. Mm -hmm. uh, Tom Dinehart was the first one to report it about middle of last week. He 
was expected to, you know, coming into the season before camp started, kind of expected to be a starter on this team. A, he was yeah. the lone holdover from the 2022 secondary, um, and he apparently just kind of stopped showing up to practice, and then uh, mm-hmm. now I guess he's in the transfer portal and is looking for a new home. Um, I, I guess that could mean one of two things. It could mean that the secondary has truly improved and Brown no longer had a role, or it could simply mean that he didn't mesh with the new coaching staff. Um I mean, it could mean a bunch of other things, but those are my two guesses. Um, right. But being without an experienced quarterback really does sting a little bit because mm-hmm. we don't know a lot about the guys that have come in because we have not seen them in this scheme and in a Purdue uniform. So I think this hurts a little bit, if nothing else, right. for depth and experience. Yeah, exactly. So I tend to lean towards the this coaching staff uh, or these new uh or, or new players coming in are very good as opposed to the coaching staff because th- the this coaching staff seems very chill and very you know like player friendly that I don't think it's more of that now obviously you there are definitely ways to not mesh with a coaching staff but like I said I tend to lean t- more towards the incoming talent is just that they're SEC players most of them or you have, like, Wilson coming in from Penn State. There's, it's just an, another level. Now, uh, Brown had done very – or he'd done well at the position. You know, he was obviously a two-year starter at Purdue. So, as you said, losing that depth is difficult, especially with all the new players. We don't know how it's all going to – how the dice will roll. But I – want to be more optimistic than not on this yeah yeah and i think that's fair all the best to him to find a new fit yeah yeah um so that is all good news um with there was also that this one is less good news um Mm -hmm. transfer quarterback um bennett meredith uh Mm -hmm. apparently was uh arrested over the last weekend uh Mm. with for operating while under the influence um we've not seen any statement or anything from the coaching staff but i think it's interesting because this will be their um be their first kind of run in with the law and a and a player um so it'll be interesting to see how they handle it um he has been slated to be the backup quarterback right now and we will see where that goes um i don't want to speculate on anything um, you know, the situation legally there. Um, just we hope uh, everybody's okay. We hope there were no um, other circumstances. And we hope that if he needs any assistance, needs any help, uh, that he can find someone to reach out to. So I just – I wanted to mention it because I think it's going to be interesting to see what Ryan Walters uh, does with this and how he handles mm-hmm. it because in college football you're going to see these situations. They're going to crop up every season. And how right. you handle the first one might set the tone for – how you do this uh, throughout your tenure at a school. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, well, the the one thing I can say is Purdue is definitely not Arizona State. Yeah, yeah, which is where he transferred from, yes, yes. Yeah. A little bit of a better school. Yeah. Yeah. So there we go. I just wanted to mention that at the the end here. So um, for Ryan and myself, thanks so much for tuning in, folks. We'll see you again midweek. Boiler up. Hammer down.